1: Would you
0: believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q.
2: And here we are kicking off hour number two of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Again, we are live at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino, preparing for Monday Night Football Seattle and the team that's up next for the Raiders, the Washington football team. That game will be played at Allegiant Stadium. But got to finish up week number 12 before you get into that game. And uh, right now we have on the phone lines pleased to have our – Weekly guest every Monday, Ed Granny from our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas, and also the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And, Ed, thank you so much for your time as you were there in the <laughs> press box, as I was in the press box on Thanksgiving for the Raiders' victory over the Cowboys. And, I mean, what what were your thoughts on just the offense, the way they were able to get cooking, and the fact that Derek Carr was able to get the ball down the field and he was able to do that early?
3: I thought you were going to ask me what my thoughts on the nine-hour game where <laughs> Uh, came out at halftime and really made deadline. Uh, horrible, Luke Combs. Um, no, I mean I thought you know a great stat that came out of it, Hugh, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you, you heard the stat as well. Maybe even talked about it that they are now six and zero when he throws for over 30 300 yards and they average over 30 points. So we talked about it on the show this morning when he's really good, which he has been, you know, in those six games they win. When he's not so good, which he has been in the, in the, most of the five, not all the five, it's not I'm not saying all five are on him. But when he hasn't been as good they tend to lose. So, you know, he's now the leading passer right now for yards in the NFL this season, you know, a little ahead of Brady. Um, So he's having a really, really good year. And when he's really good, like he was the other day, they're going to win the game. Um, And it's kind of unfair to, you know, put it all on him, but he is the quarterback. And like Masaccia said, it's the hardest position to play in sports. And when you're that guy, when you lose, people are going to point at you. But I I thought he was really, really good Thursday.
2: Yeah. You're going to get all the love when you're good. And then you're going to get all the hate when you're bad. I mean, it's just, it's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of the position. Now there was bad. I mean, Ed, I think every one of us in the press box all agreed that there was so many opportunities for the Raiders to put that game away. And they didn't, they know they settled for field goals or didn't get any points at all. How do they go about cleaning up that red zone? And, and, and we were talking to Jim Plunkett earlier, and he said, I asked him, is it just a mindset? Like, hey, we're not settling for three this time. We're getting in the end zone. And he said, yeah, that's some of it. How do they fix that and clean that up?
3: Man, that's a great question. I agree with Jim. I mean, you know, sometimes, I mean, and look, we've talked about this, right? Like, you know, we think Versace is in charge, but I think he goes to Olsen in those situations a lot, see what they want to run, if they want to run down in distance, if they want to go for it. I'm all for guys who go for it more and more on fourth down and try to get a touchdown. Maybe they have to look at that. Uh, Maybe have to look at the, you know, more packages for Mariota. When they get down close, we saw, you know, Marcus score a touchdown the other day on the zone read, which I thought, you know, I don't know what Dallas was thinking when he came on the field. I don't think, I don't know what they're thinking of, who was actually going to run that or what they were going to do there. They kind of, they looked like they were lost and you knew what he was going to do. But they've got to clean it up. I mean, you know, we talked about it and talked about it. The schedule doesn't get any easier. So you can't you can't always be kicking field goals in the red zone and expect to win some of the games they have coming up. The Kansas Citys, you know, the other AFC West games, games they have to go to Indy, you know, they could come down to those last few games and it's you know, a playoff spot could be rolling on. I mean, what are they tied for the last spot right now? There's 12 right. or 13 teams in the AFC that are even that are still in this thing, which is just amazing to me. 10 or 12 in the NFC. So you're exactly right. They've got to clean up the red zone, maybe it's a mindset, maybe maybe Jim is right. I mean, he knows football, you know, much better than us and if he says that, I, I kind of tend to believe it. Um, some coaches, and I don't know Rich Passaccia well enough to know, get inside his head, but some coaches play it, you know, a little more conservative than others, and I'd like to see them maybe not do that all the time.
2: You know, you mentioned Marcus Mariota and packages for him, and, you know, they they brought him on the field twice. Once they got into the end zone, like you mentioned, Dallas had no answer. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't Uh, know what they thought, yeah. You know, I mean, they just just let him basically walk into the end zone. The other time they stopped him for a one-yard gain, and then the Raiders ended up settling for a field goal. Do you think that maybe the Raiders need to let him throw the ball a little bit so he's not so predictable when he gets into the game?
3: Well, it's funny because my partner Tyler Bischoff said this morning at one point there's going to be a play-action, and Foster Moreau's going to be open by 900 yards, like more than he's ever been, because uh, it's going to be an actually a play-action pass. Um, I don't know. I hope they have that in their packages. You know, it appears right now that they only go certain plays with him, and like we just said, when Derek Carr's playing like he did the other day, I don't think there's a need for it. Now, you and I talked about the, after some of the losses, and we said, well, do they give Marcus a look? Um, but then Derek bounces back and has a great game in Dallas, so I think they're going to stay the course with him, which they probably should, obviously. Um, we'll see this week what they'll do against Washington. But, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd hope that the packages, whatever they are, they keep saying they have packages for Mariota. That's kind of like become almost a cliche out there to where they continue to say it. I would hope it has some pass in it, some pass options, some RPOs. Uh, maybe that was what they need to do with Marcus. I just think if Derek Carr keeps playing like he did Thursday, we're not going to see much of Marcus, and I think the fans will be okay with that because if he keeps playing like Thursday, they're going to win games.
2: Right, exactly. And one of the questions I asked Basaccia earlier today was, you know, how do you balance? How do you make the call on, okay, yeah, we want to get this package out there. We want to get Mariota involved, but, man, he's really cooking. You know, Carr's really cooking on this drive, and you don't want to mess up the rhythm. I feel like it's a tough call to make, even though all the fans want to see it.
3: I mean, I think it's a tough call to make. I think that, you know, the fans want them to score and the fans want to win games. And right. it's a really, like I said, it's fair to, It's fair and it's unfair. It's fair to say who's the good Derek Carr and who's the bad Derek Carr and say, well, six is good and five is bad. Because a lot more goes into it than just one guy. But like you said in the beginning of the interview, that's the position you play. You chose it. You get paid a lot of money to do it. And, you know, Derek has, you know, sarcastically said to us in the past, he understands that. I don't think he likes the criticism that comes with his position a lot of the times. But that's just the way it is. He has to deal with it. So I think the fans are fine, you know, until we get the not-so-good Derek Carr. And then all of a sudden, I start writing, you and I start talking about more and more Mariota. But, you know, you have to go into this Sunday's game thinking, or at least hoping, if you're the Raiders, that you get the good Derek Carr like you did in Dallas, and you just kind of keep moving forward and win games. And, you know, at that point, Marcus Mariota becomes, you know, a non-factor. If if Derek Carr can keep playing well, I mean, I like Marcus Mariota as well as anyone. I'm not convinced that he won't be a bridge next year, depending on if this house is clean. We're not really sure how this season is going to end up. But at this point, if I'm getting Derek Carr from Thursday, then I'm playing Derek Carr.
2: No doubt. No doubt about it. We're talking with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and also the Las Vegas Review Journal here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And, you know, one of the questions I I had as far as the offense goes, they had the play-action pass working. The run game was working. We haven't seen either of those really successful in the last few weeks. And, well, they were losing games. Now they win. Those things are clicking. How do they sustain that? How can they keep that going?
3: Uh, play a Dallas team that has 14 penalties for 900 yards. That'll help. Um, Well, the Raiders have 14 penalties too. That's right. right. Play a corner who has four four pass interferences. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think I don't like forcing stuff for the sake of forcing. I'm with you. I kind of like see how games play out when they they start and what's working and what's not. But you're right. I like the play action a lot. Um, And now you have guys like Deshaun Jackson you have to honor. Um, and I think off the play action, you can do a lot of stuff like that. I guess you might have been out there today or you're at mm. I just saw on Twitter that he said Darren Waller's week to week. Right. You know, that's, you know, that I, I learned with that, where he hurt his knee for the first time this morning, whatever this, whatever that uh, thing is called that I guess we all have that runs from our hip to our knee now. <laughs> you know, we, we probably don't have as good of ones as he does. Uh, <laughs> I, I had never heard of that tendon or whatever it is. Right. But then I started getting people who did know a lot about it texting me saying, hey this could be weeks like this is not a, you know, a, 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 small injury, which surprised me a little. Cause I don't know about you, but I watched Darren Waller come back on the field um, in shorts and I kept an eye on him through the binoculars and he was laughing, and hitting guys in the back. And so maybe at that point he, you know, he, they didn't know how serious it was, but week to week tells me he's probably not playing Sunday. Right. And you know, again, on the play action stuff, having him out of there really kind of hurts you. But um like I said, I don't like forcing for forcing, but I do think on Sunday you see if Josh Jacobs gets it going early and see some play action stuff and see what Washington will give you. I mean, going into the season, we thought Washington would be the best, one of the best defensive teams in the league, like they did last year. They haven't been that, so I think the Raiders are live this week. I, I'm actually surprised it's not more than two two and a half
2: right now around town. I thought it'd be a little more. Right, no doubt about it. You know, it's funny I had never heard of that uh, you know that strain oh. that he has either uh, until earlier today. Clay Baker actually had a doctor, a local doctor, on talking about the Yeah, there you go. And so this is actually, and DeMond, get this real quick, this is actually what the doctor had to say and potentially how long Darren Waller could be out. Check this out.
4: The rehabilitation is going to be a lot of massage, a lot of deep tissue work. The impact is going to create a lot of inflammation. So there's a lot of swelling control that he's going to be working on a lot of massage work, and then that repetitious flexion and extension, which a bike is perfect for. A bike, a rower, doing some squats and just pushing that fluid out so this tissue will stop being so irritated. I would sure expect him to be back within a few weeks. This is not typically one that lingers long. Uh, Maybe not this coming week, but within two to three, I sure hope we'll see him back on the field.
2: So, Ed, I just okay. want you to hear yeah. that just so, I mean, they have the AFC games. They can't look over this game against Washington, but they have the AFC games. They have Kansas City, and then they have uh, Denver. They have, you know, they have Chargers coming up at the end of the season. I mean, they have multiple games in the AFC conference coming up, so they're going to need him for the home stretch. It sounds like he's probably going to miss this week and possibly another one.
3: Yeah, and which which would be at Kansas City, which would hurt them. Right. Um, You know, I I know Dr. Penninger well, complete expert. I'm glad Clay had him on. We used to have him on the press list all the time. He's an incredible ortho here in town. Um, And what he's saying kind of sounds like what Rich Passaccia said, not being a doctor, that it's week to week. Um, And they probably got fortunate there, right? I mean, to to do something to a tendon we've never heard of. I mean, look, the one thing you did not want that to come out is ACL or MCL or something like that. Mm -hmm. So while we have no idea what that tendon is, listening to the experts, um, it's only going to be a few weeks, and they need it to be only a few weeks. I mean, I think it'd be great if he's back for Kansas City. And again, I'm not a doctor, and I, you know, I trust Dr. Penninger. I don't know if rushing it is good. So my guess is, just listening to him, it's going to be two weeks. would take him out of Kansas City, but you're right. There's a lot of important games coming down the road in the AFC, and look at that AFC West all bunched up. Someone's going to have to, someone's going to have to, you know, um, emerge from that. And you know, again, I think all four teams right now, maybe Kansas City a little bit more than the other three are thinking it's going to be them.
2: Right. Absolutely. We're talking right now with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas and also the Las Vegas Review-Journal. My man, Deman who's back in the home studio, had a question he wanted to ask you.
3: Oh, where are you, man? All what right, Ed. I've got to ask you this.
2: Oh. I'm taking a complete left turn here. Oh. The Dodgers, they've lost Schrozer. <laughs> they lost Seeger. I've got to ask Ed. You know, besides that fraudulent championship that they got with a shortened season, <laughs> oh, wow. do you think that these past five seasons have been a bust? Because I think Kershaw's done. I mean, are you hanging? Do you think that this Dodger run is over?
3: Wow. Listen, my friend, uh, I was wearing it yesterday, uh, and there's no asterisks on my uh, world championship sweatshirt. So I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, <laughs> that thing just says world champions. Um I don't know about fraudulent. I wish they would have won more, obviously because they're kind of stacked. Now today I'll tell you this, sure, sir, sure, like and I said on the show this morning, like I never look at money. Like if you can make a hundred million year, make hundred million, like that doesn't affect me. I always look at term. He's 37 I think three years is about as far as you can go with him. the The thing that bugged me about Seeger was, um, not bugged me, but I wouldn't have given Seeger 10. So if the Rangers want to spend incredible amount of money with three hundred and twenty five, which is fine, again, give him as much money as you want. I kind of balk at ten-year deals, so I wasn't as upset. I thought they were going to lose many. I wasn't upset at that one. Ironically, it is ironically given the ages and the positions. Like I was a little more bothered by Scherzer because I would have given him the three years. Um, so we'll see. Devon, we spend money with the best of them. Don't you worry about it, buddy. <laughs> we will be back uh, and we will be there right at the right at the uh, you know uh, going for the uh, NL West again. And I think the I think the Giants were frauds last year, so. I'm I'm not overly concerned at this point, but but thanks a lot for checking in after your uh, UNLV football team's uh, disastrous loss in the season at Air Force.
2: Right, right, and see, I was about to go there as well, and I'll, I'll say yeah. this, Ed, I wouldn't, and I've said this, I said this in a commercial break, I wouldn't give any of these guys a ten year deal. I just But no, ten years
3: is crazy. I'm sorry, yeah, it
2: doesn't make any sense, and the money that they have to guarantee them and the Rangers of all teams have been down this road before. Didn't they
3: do this with A Rod? <laughs> yeah, they did. They did the Rangers. I, I have a, one of our good friends in the media, Danny Webster, is a Rangers fan. He texts me back. He goes, "Look, he goes, desperate teams have to do these kind of things. I'm just going to be really happy when we win 75 games this year, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and they, they spent Buster only had a great tweet. The Rangers over the last two days on two players, Simeon and Seeger, has spent more combined money than their entire payroll of last year on two guys, right? So. Again, I don't get the money good for Corey Seager. I'm I'm happy when people make as much as they can. Yep. I just don't give out 10-year contracts. No, no, not at all. And like
2: I'm with you. I don't I don't fault the player if someone offers no, me 10 years enough. and some stupid no. money to do radio.
3: I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, can you imagine the surprise on Mel Tucker's face at Michigan State saying you want to pay me how much? Right. In exactly. A year for 90 million dollars. I'm not going to say no to that. Not at all.
2: I would be a fool to turn that kind of money down. <laughs> so before we let you go, I did want to ask you about UNLV football. Are uh, they lose to Air Force? It wasn't a close game at all. That's the final game of the season. They wrapped that thing up. Coach Arroyo has his his exit uh, media session. But I think more importantly, they lose their best player on defense as Jacoby Winman is hitting the uh, the transfer yeah. portal. Thoughts on just thoughts on the way that the season wrapped up for the Rebels.
3: I didn't like how it wrapped up. And this is gonna, I said this morning. This is going to sound crazy, but you can lose a game that way two different ways. Right. You can lose it because the other team's just better. And sorry, and obviously Air Force a lot better. You can also lose it because the other team's just better and you kind of roll over. They fumbled the, the kickoff. They've got a strip tack sack on the next um, next uh, possession. They didn't show up. And that's kind of worrisome. Like, if you show up and you play hard and you're just not as good, that's fine. I mean, Air Force wasn't going to lose that game. Right. But I didn't think they showed up. Now, a lot of people would say, look, it's the last game of the year. They're traveling. Nobody wants to go to Colorado State and face the option anyway. So there's some, you know, truth to that where they're like, yeah, we just don't want to do this. I don't like that. Um, but I'm not, you know, I think Jacoby Wyndham Tyler made a good point this morning. By doing this, I just don't think he thinks it's going to be much better next year. I don't think you jump if he thinks things are going to be, you know, you know, improved greatly next year. He's a great player. I think he's going to play in the league. Um, I think there will be P5, uh, Power 5 uh, teams interested in him. Yep. And that's a hard go when you lose your best player. And he was their best player, I think, on both sides. I think he was their best player. And to lose him 48 hours after the season ends is it's not a way to start the offseason.
2: No, no, it's not. I think I've already seen him say and tweet out that he's got multiple offers already rolling in. So oh, yeah. You're right. Oh, he's yeah. he's going to get some love and attention, no doubt oh, about yeah. it. Well, Ed, uh, fantastic job as always, my man. Uh, what are you coming out? What do you have coming out, man, either on the press box or the review journal that folks should be on the lookout for?
3: Yeah, you know what? We're actually going to have the Chuck Wagon on this week. Nice. Um, which is really cool because I want to talk about his career because you and I uh, said this before. I mean, I don't care what the records are in terms of the overall team record. When you leave a school, the all-time leading rusher, I think that's really, really cool. So we're looking forward to having him, and and we will uh, try to do our best to um, uh, look up tonight in medical journals the different types of tendons people have in their bodies. So we're a little more educated tomorrow when we talk about Darren Waller.
2: Well, I'll tell you this. My man, Dr. Andy, has been texting me throughout the course of this interview, and he's been saying, hey, man, uh, let me get my hands on Waller. I work on these kind of injuries all the time. I can get him back. Back quick, fast, in a hurry. So I might just go in there and have them just point it out because I'm sure that mine is strained a little bit too. I, so, I, <laughs> I strain
3: a lot of things, so I'm sure I strained <laughs> this thing twice, but I
2: didn't know what it was. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, Ed, like I said, man, thank you so much. It's always great to catch up with you each and every week, doing a fantastic job on the radio and both with the Review Journal. Thank you so much.
4: Thank you, buddy. See you, Q. All See right, you, th-
2: there he goes, Ed Granny from the Las Vegas Review-Journal and our sister station, ESPN Las Vegas. And, yeah, Dr. Andy let me know, man. He says, hey, he doesn't need an orthopedic surgeon. He needs Dr. Andy or Dr. Jen. We work on the IT band every day. I don't even know what the IT band is, but I guess we're going to find out. We're going to learn. It's almost like that that little thing that you have, and I forget what bone it is, but it's that little small bone in the, in the, in the small of your back. And I think the first time it ever was pointed out to me. Derek Carr actually broke it. Uh, I can't remember what it, the name of it is, but – the first time I had ever heard of it, I think Tony Romo broke it, and then Bryce Petty broke it for Baylor, and I was like, "What is all of a sudden this has become a cool thing? Not a cool thing. I was no injuries cool, but it's like one of these things that keeps popping up. And then lo and behold, Derek Carr ended up breaking it as well. And I, again, I forget. I hate that I forget exactly what little bone it is in the small of your back, but. Now we're going to start hearing about the IT band all the time. 321 is the time. Many thanks to Ed Granny for joining us right there. We are at the Underground Lounge inside Oyo Hotel and Casino preparing for Monday Night Football. I have a lot of prizes I want to give out. I want to get you hooked up. Come on by, see us, and say what's up. Again, the time is 321. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio 920.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to Unnecessary roughness,
2: Unnecessary
5: roughness.
0: Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. So I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. 3.25 is
2: the time. We're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. I got a couple pieces of uh, house cleaning I have to do real quick. I was trying to figure out what that bone was that Derek Carr broke in his back a few years back. Because it was something that we had never heard of until all of a sudden multiple quarterbacks had happened to. Tony Romo, Bryce Petty for Baylor, and then Derek Carr. And, of course, I couldn't think of the name of it. But, luckily, on the Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, we have people a lot smarter than me. Transverse process. That's what it was called. Like, whoever thought of a transverse process? Who had ever heard of that until Romo did it? And then Petty did it. And then Carr did it. And now it's one of those things like, oh, hey, you broke your transverse process. Oh, okay, they happen all the time. Like, that's what I learned about that. They happen all the time. We could have done it multiple times and really don't even know it. Crazy. Now the IT band is that new thing. Raider J in Sacramento said the IT band sounds like you're wearing a Fitbit. You ain't lying. It absolutely does sound like that. Sounds like you're going out and doing something. Um, I got one from Geese Mode. I'm not too sure exactly what uh, what he wrote here. It looked like he trying to set me up for failure in this uh, in this text. He said the bone is called and it's a c-word. That's not transverse process. <laughs> And I think the way I'll say it out loud, it will sound like I'm being rude and disrespectful, so I'm not going to go ahead and say that. But, geese uh, Gizmo, thank you so much for the text. I, I do appreciate you. Coming up in a few minutes, we got Ted Nguyen. What does it say? The coccyx is that bone that you're talking about. Oh, that's what it said? The, see, that, it, it sounds like I'm being disrespectful if I say that, so I'm going to go ahead and leave that alone. But that wasn't what I was thinking of. It was transverse process is what I was thinking of. I ain't never heard of that bone either. Just never heard of those. But, hey, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm a radio dude. So there you go. I guess I'm not supposed to know about all those bones. Let's go out to the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our guy Ruben right here in Vegas. What's on your mind, my man?
0: Hey, what's going on? Uh, Q, just want to let you know about the game, too. And one thing that's probably man, Raider Nation showed out out there in Dallas, man. Yep. Uh, Texas Live, Friday night I was at Texas Live. Tim Brown did a little autograph signing for a toy drive for a local Raider Nation chapter out there. Shout out to Tim Brown. Nice. I know he's from Denton. But I had a great time, good time, good game, good win, and, and on to Washington.
2: Nice, nice. Hey, good stuff, Ruben. We appreciate you. And, yeah, man, that's something we hear Raider Nation complaining about, the fan base that travels to Allegiant Stadium. Well, please believe Raider Nation showed out. In, in, in Jerry's world, on Thanksgiving, please believe there was Raider fans everywhere. From the time I got off the airplane to the time I got my rental car to the time that I drove to the game to the time I walked through the parking lot and I was walking around the stadium, there was nothing but Raider Nation representing. And if you listened to the game, you heard Raider Nation roaring every time they did something. And by the end of the game, there wasn't a lot of Cowboys cheering, but there was a lot of cheering for the silver and black. So. Please believe, Raider Nation, we all know, travels really well. Well, it was on display on Thanksgiving. Let's go back out to the phone lines, talk to our guy, Fargo Raider. What's on your mind, my man?
6: Hey, Q and Damon. how you guys doing, my guys?
2: Chilling, man, chilling. That's what's up. Hey, I'm just going to say I got a cousin
6: who specializes in that hit-and-run kung food, too. Shout-out to Domino's. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm also going to say that uh, Mariota packages the new Bigfoot, man. We finally had a sighting this weekend. <laughs> I was honed right. in on the game, my guys. I had my C-wood on, and I was looking for the D to show up, and they did their job. I think a bad we got from this from this week was uh, the lack of aggression we have when we got a boot on their neck. Man, I've been in a few fights and lost a couple myself, and that dude never stopped swinging on me when he knew he was winning. I'm just going to say that. Right. And then uh, a good is DC finally taking off and channeling his inner carry-out on. You know, I like that. miles for the third fastest uh, player on uh, Thursday night for the Turkey Bowl. I'll take it. Shout out to all you guys. Love you, Raider Nation. Thank you for taking my call, Q.
2: Thank you, man. I appreciate you. Good stuff right there. Good stuff as always. Uh, want to pass this on as well from Paul Gutierrez. And just when Wendy actually hit us up and brought this to our attention, Trent Sieg, who we said is on the COVID-19 list, needs two negative tests 24 hours apart to come off the list and be available to play on Sunday. So he is available if he can get those two negative tests 24 hours apart, so that's something to pay attention to. Now, let's hustle out to the phone lines one more time. We have um, my guy uh, Ted Nguyen coming up from uh, The Athletic to break down some film, but let's go talk to our guy Raider Mike real quick. What's on your mind, my man?
1: What's up, man? Chilling. We got to name the cowgirls now, the cryboys. Are you (laughs) kidding me, Jarrett, the Keeper from Dallas, turkey neck? Throw up football? No. You're throwing up all over the media. You're looking like a fool, bro. Take it like a man. Are you kidding me? You remember four years ago when statutory, whatever his name is, with the index card? Come on, man. When the Raiders are saying we're getting all the calls, that might be a sign of the apocalypse. (laughs) We never have gotten the calls in the 53 years I've watched them. Are you kidding me? Shut up, Dallas fan. Just shut up.
0: Quit Uh crying.
1: Take it like a man on to washington let's go raiders peace out boys
2: there it goes raider mike and i'll say this and i know we have ted newin coming up i mean the raiders got the pi calls that really helped but look they got called for 14 penalties it's not like they were laundry free you know what i mean so that's what really got me about the cowboy fans so angry at the officiating there was 28 penalties called 14 on both sides now i'll say that the cowboys penalties were more impactful than the raiders were but the, the, the penalty on uh, Andre James, the center, for bobbing his head, which is something every center does on every play of every down, every game, that was a big penalty. The Raiders had to settle for three. They could have been going in for seven. They always bob their head. I like that, anyway. I, I see you bobbing your head. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what it is. That's what they do every single play. So, you know, the fish hitting was just bad, all in all. I'll just put it like that. It was bad for both teams. The Cowboys and the Raiders. So when I heard Cowboy fans blaming the officials and saying how much they hate them and how much the league hates the, the team, I thought, man, this sounds like a lot of Raider Nation after a, after a loss. So it was kind of refreshing to know that the Raider Nation is not the only fan base that feels like the league hates them. Good stuff. Let me know when Ted's ready. Uh, DeMond, I got a couple. T- oh, my bad. Just kidding. <laughs> Ted is available right now. He's ready, waiting for us on the phone lines. Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. Uh, You can find him on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. And, Ted, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you. And we were just talking about, well, throughout the course of the show, we've been talking about the Raiders' victory over the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And I I saw some of your videos on Twitter where you were talking about the play action pass that Derek Carr was able to implement. And, and Ted, I'll say this. I felt like the play action pass started working even before the run game started cooking. What did you see from the play action pass?
4: Yeah, I mean, as as far as the the play-action pass, uh, it's something that I've been talking about with the Raiders for a while now. It's something that they didn't do as much under Gruden. Uh, They started using more play-action pass after um, Gruden's resignation, but I still feel like it's something that they they need to do more of early on. It's something they do. They sprinkle out throughout the game, and in the Cowboys game, they actually called more play-action passes. They called 14 play-action passes. Or our 15 play action passes, um, and and that's more than they have uh, the entire season. Um, but it's just a little bit more than um, as far as percentage of pass plays. It's a it's a pick more than they usually do. But it, it's something that I think they should do a lot more in a first quarter of games because they they want to get Josh Jacobs going in a run game. They want to give him carries. Um, but right now it just seems like the second level of the defense uh, linebackers are just crashing to run every time you see uh, Derek Carr turn around to put the, the ball put the ball into the bellies of the running backs. And um, I, I think, you know, you, it, some offensive lines can handle really aggressive linebackers, but I just don't think the Raiders' offensive line is at a level where they can handle those linebackers crashing. So I think a way to soften up those linebackers is to call a lot of early, uh, play actions in the first, second quarter To soften up the defense and then get the run game going, and you saw that happen in in the Dallas game where they're passing a lot, getting teams to back off, and that's when Josh Jacobs got going in in the run game. I just don't think this team is good enough to uh, just start, you know, banging their heads against the wall and call a bunch of uh, runs when the defense eight guys in a box. And, And I just think a way to soften that up, call a bunch of play actions early in the game.
2: You know, that's what it looks like when they're trying to run the rock and Josh Jacobs is bouncing a lot behind the line of scrimmage. It looks like he's, you know, like, "Uh uh-oh, where do I go now? Because it's already so many guys in the backfield. So that's going back to what you're saying, that they just can't keep pounding, 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 hoping for uh, success. How much of Deshaun Jackson and that speed, now that he's really got the ball fed to him a few times, how much of that should help the Raiders moving forward in their attempt to do the play-action pass because they have to be wary of that speed on the outside?
4: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, uh, you know, the Cowboys adjusted to his speed a little bit after um, getting burned, but I just don't think that, you know, I think after this game when teams see that Deshaun Jackson um, is still impactful, he can still beat press coverage, uh, I think they'll have to game plan against him a little bit more. I think they have to rotate a safety to his side. They'll start having to treat him like they, they treated Henry Ruggs. And, you know, I think I might have said this on your show or I've said this in a past where, You know, Ruggs was very impactful, and he has his strengths, and I think he's a better contested catch guy than Deshaun Jackson. But once Deshaun gets implemented in this offense, I think he could be more productive than Henry Ruggs was because he's a better route runner. He's better in the intermediate part of the field than Ruggs was. And and you saw that on his first touchdown catch where he ran kind of a a dig in the middle of the field and uh, beat his guy and was able to accelerate after the catch. So he he does some of the little things that a veteran receiver does better than rugs. So I I think that's an exciting um, thing for, for the Raiders offense.
2: Talking right now with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Sticking with Deshaun Jackson, he has had a ton of success against the Cowboys. As soon as he scored that touchdown, like every stat that he's ever done against the Cowboys came out. Why do you think certain players just love to thrive on certain teams like Deshaun Jackson does against the Cowboys?
4: Well, you know, I, I think part of that is, you know, he was an NFC East and he for a long time he was an Eagle for a long time. And, right. um, and you know, I, I think during those years the Cowboys weren't that great. So I think that plays into that as well. And I, I think any time you're just, you know, a part of a rivalry for so long, I think you might have a little extra motivation to, to make some plays against you, your rivals. So I, I think all of those factors kind of come into play.
2: So sticking with Carr and the way that he was able to push the ball down the field, we talked about the play-action pass. Do you think it's sustainable just for him to keep trying to stretch the field, especially if a guy like Darren Waller looks like he might not be playing this week as he's got that IT band strain? Uh, do you think he could continue to push the ball down the field even without Waller on the field?
4: Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think, you know, part of, that, part of him kind of getting a little conservative in the Raiders' losing streak uh, was just the fact that he didn't have a lot of speed on the field. Um, and I think he made it a point against the Cowboys to push the ball down the field, especially against um, the Cowboys who play a lot of man coverage, a lot of press man coverage, and kind of they're, they challenge you to push, push, uh, push the ball down the field. I, I am a little concerned. I, I think Gruden was a big factor in, in Car becoming more aggressive. I think he really pushed Carr to, um, to throw the ball down the field, and I wonder if he's getting that same push. Uh, from this current coaching staff now. I I think that he he needs to continue to push the ball down the field because, you know, even if you're not getting those completions, you you saw what happened against the Cowboys where good things happen. You know, you could get a pass interference call, and, you know, even if you don't, you get the defense to back off. Uh, And, you know, the Cowboys went to a lot of too deep in in the second half, and that opened up things in the run game. That opened up things underneath for Hunter Renfro um, when you push the ball downfield. So he has to continue his – his aggressiveness, and he has been one of the most aggressive quarterbacks uh, this year. Took a little bit of a lull in those two-game losing streaks, uh, but he has to continue just pushing the ball downfield.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, you mentioned Hunter Renfro and, and pushing the ball down the field, and he got really behind the defense, and he was able to really uh, pick up a big, impactful play late in the game. What do you see from Hunter Renfro? I mean, this guy, to me, is a is a guy who's just a technician out there on the field. Why is he able to do what he's able to do on the, on the regular?
4: Yeah, I think he has a great feel for open space, and you see that when he's running routes. He knows how to find those open areas into zones, and also he has like a sixth sense for when he catches the ball, he knows exactly where everybody is, and he knows exactly where to spin. He knows exactly where to you know, step right after he catches the ball, and I think his yards after the catch is a really underrated part of his game, um, and I just think he has a really great connection with Derek Carr. You know, He doesn't run all his routes exactly the same, Picard trusts uh, that he's going to be where he needs to be when that time comes. So um, I think they just have a really good thing going right now. And, um, you know, when that time comes, I think you have to pay uh, pay Renfro.
2: Yeah, that's, that's for sure. There's a few guys that the Raiders are going to have to pay. Max Crosby is one of them. Obviously, Hunter Renfro is another, and uh, there will be some other conversations about some other guys uh, moving forward. Again, we're talking with Ted Nguyen from The Athletic here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you, and I kind of want to look forward to this game coming up against the Washington football team. I know they don't have Chase Young, but they have a defensive line that can get home. They can get after the quarterback. I think it's going to be a big challenge for the offensive line. What are you seeing from the defensive scheme of the Washington football, Team that is going to be a challenge for the Raiders coming up?
4: Well, they play a lot. I think a big part of their identity was their four man pass rush. And, you know, with, um, with Chase Young hurt and they have some injuries on that, um, on that defensive line, they're, they're, their pass rush is not going to be as good. Um, but they still have a very, very strong interior with um, Jonathan Allen. Inside, so that's going to be a challenge for the Raiders, especially with how young their inside guys are. Um, so I, I think they're with the, the Raiders going to have to try to move the pocket a little bit, and they ran some more bootlegs against the um, they ran some some more boots against the, the Cowboys than they than they have previously, uh, but they'll have to continue doing that. And you know, I, I, it's not a good idea to run too many bootlegs into Micah Parsons or into any elite edge rushers. Uh, which they did against the Cowboys, but against the um, the, the, the Washington football team, we did mention um, that they won't have a couple of their edge guys, so I think bootlegs are going to be a big uh, big key against them. They run a lot of spot-drop zones, so Carr's going to be able to find some uh, holes in that zone, and we, we mentioned run Runfro and how good he is uh, you know, finding that space, so I, I would expect a big game from him.
2: Nice. Well, that's a good recipe right there. We like that. Final question, I guess I should have asked you this before I asked you about the Washington football team. Going back to the game against the Cowboys, the Raiders were able to stop the run. They held Dallas to 64 yards on the ground, which to me was very impressive. They haven't been very good against the run throughout the course of the year. What did you see from them defensively? I saw K.J. Wright on the field a lot. What did you see from them defensively that helped them slow down that run game?
4: Uh, I think Jonathan Hankins has been such an underrated part of this run defense for a long time now. And, you know, even when the Raiders have bad games and you watch uh, Jonathan Hankins, he's the guy that's doing his job playing two gaps, you know, and, and just uh, taking up blocks. And against his, against the Cowboys, if you watch him, he was everywhere. Um, you know, I, I think Damian Square also helped as well. Uh, but Hankins was such a big key and to, to uh, stopping this Cowboys run game um, yeah, if you if you watch Hanked, you know you got I, I think if you give a game ball to anybody on the defense, that's the guy you have to give a game ball to, uh, especially against the Cowboys. And, and and he's been good throughout the season. He's been good throughout his time as a Raider. Uh, but in this game in particular, I thought he just stood out.
2: Yeah, no, we, it's funny you mentioned that. We had someone call or not call in, but text in earlier and said how much they could appreciate what a uh, big Hank had to do on Thursday for the Raiders' defense and helping slow down that run. And that was something that I thought. I really did. I thought that Zeke and Pollard were going to have a field day with the Raiders' uh, rush defense, but they really were able to slow it down. And really, there was just that one big mishap on the kickoff when uh, Pollard took it hundred yards to the house. That to me should never happen, especially when your head coach is the is the uh, special teams guy. What did you think about that play?
4: Yeah, you know, I thought the special teams actually had a really good day overall because mm-hmm. they they actually you know stopped the Cowboys on on uh punt uh, on their with their punt team and kickoff team and gave them really bad starting field position throughout the game but uh so i understood why they wanted to, to kick a returnable kick because they they were stopping the cowboys uh but you know it's just one you know one or two guys out of their lane and and Pollard is um, you know one of the most explosive athletes in the in the league so he right. he took it he he took it all the way um in for a touchdown but you know i i, I thought they were good overall so um just one pl- you know it, it just one play, but it, you can see how impactful it is when you're just not laser focused.
2: Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about it. Well, Ted, great stuff as always. Uh, I know you have a, a YouTube that's out right now, kind of giving a, a guide to how you watch. You can watch football games and get a better understanding of what's going on. Why don't you tell everybody about that before I let you go?
4: Yeah, so uh, you know, I'm just starting a YouTube channel. Um, it, you can just search Ted Win, Ted T E D last name N G U Y E N on YouTube, and you should be able to find it. Uh, so I'm just doing you know, play breakdowns, and you, you'll see me doing some Raider play breakdowns, but uh, you know, I'll do uh, play breakdowns throughout the league. I, I will definitely do a video about the Cowboy, uh, Raiders offense against the Cowboys defense that should be out tonight or tomorrow, so check that out. Um, and, yeah, excited to get this thing going.
2: Yeah, well, we're excited for you as well. You do a fantastic film breakdown, and we'll definitely be all paying attention. So, Ted, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you as always, and we'll be talking to you soon. Talk to you soon. All right, there he goes. Ted Nguyen does a fantastic job on the athletic uh, film breakdown, Uh, one of the best in the business. So I always learn something whenever we talk to Ted and whenever I watch his videos. And like he said, he's got a YouTube channel, so definitely go – Check that out uh, on Twitter. You can always find them at FB underscore Film Analysis. Again, does a fantastic breakdown. 3.44 is the time. We're live at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. i got a f- few more minutes left in the show, but we're going to be here as Monday Night Football is going to hit the screens in just a little while. Seattle against that Washington football team, give you a little preview of what the Raiders could be doing and going up against on Sunday. My man Jesse's in the building. Modellos are flowing, and we're going to have a good time. Come hang out with us. It's the Underground R- Lounge on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920.
0: Welcome back, Welcome back to Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm
2: going to have to kick you, you know what, today.
0: Here's your boy Q.
2: 349 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Got a few minutes left of today's show that we'll pass the sticks on to Vinny Bonsignor. He's going to come up in the huddle holding it down 4 to 6 p.m. Live from the Raider Nation Radio 920 studio. Got a couple calls that I'm going to get to real quick, but I did want to pass along this text from Rob in Oakland who broke it down as far as injuries go, and I do appreciate that. He said, Q, Derek broke multiple transverse processes of the lumbar spine. I love how he broke it down. These horizontal bones are attachment points for the muscles of the back and hurt when broken, and muscles are still tugging on them. Derek's tough for playing with them while broken. Absolutely. I agree 100%. I knew that it's not something that wasn't pain-free, but I know that it's obviously more common than what I knew until I heard when Romo did it and Petty did it and then Carr did it. I thought it was something – well, actually, I'll tell you. When I was at covering Baylor and Petty did it, we're like, i eh, never heard of this, you know. And the only thing we had known is that Tony Romo had done it, but really didn't know what it was and didn't find a, a get a real good explanation of it until Bryce Petty broke it down. But, yeah, it, it, it happens a lot, but I know it's definitely very painful. And so, yeah, Derek was tough for that. And Derek's always been tough playing with injuries. It's, let's not get it twisted. You can knock him, but you can't knock him for not being tough. I mean, he's – He's played with multiple injuries. Then also Rob goes on to say the IT band has a long course running from the front of the pelvis to the outside of the tibia. It has a couple attachments on the outside of the knee and usually gets hurt in long-distance runners as a result of chronic use. I'm a little bit surprised but relieved. Waller hurt his with the twist he suffered. But we'd have to see the MRI of the knee to be sure. That's from Rob in Oakland. That's breaking it down. That's breaking it down right there. I need Rob on speed dial at all times. Thank you for that text. Uh, let's go out quickly to the phone lines to talk to our guy, Shields Up, calling all the way in from Connecticut. What's up, Shields Up?
0: What's up, Q? How you doing?
2: Man, I'm blessed and chilling.
0: Good. Family's good. Everybody staying safe, brother?
2: Absolutely, all the time.
0: That's good to hear, man. A few observations from uh, Turkey Day Thanksgiving game. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm really happy. I thought there was a difference in Derek Carr, and I'll explain. He was more aggressive. Mm-hmm. He was. He he got out of the pocket. He ran. Um, he created plays, and um, I think Deshaun Jackson has definitely has definitely uh, made a difference. Um, he's thirty four years old. How many years does he have in the league? He knows right. how to play these young corners. Yeah, and he got the pass interference calls. So um, that's a definite plus. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, he's a temporary band aid to uh, To the rugs debacle, um, and uh, I think um, the defense the defense played really good. Um, I just think that the holding calls or the lack of holding calls on Mad Max are just blatant. Um, the one play that stood out with me with Mad Max is when Dak rolled out. We had him pinned uh, uh, after uh, 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 the corner. Hobbs made the good uh, attack on the on the kickoff of the punt and we had him pinned and there was a there was a rollout and Max crashed in and the guy just took his jersey, held him and threw him. And of course Dak made the bad pass at the feet. It, it's so blatant with, mm-hmm. with Crosby. It's it's ridiculous. But I'm not here to cry. Right but I'm saying that um uh it was a great victory. We're still alive. Uh, we got Washington. Um, but just Carr has to have the confidence to throw the ball down the field and trust in Jackson. And 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 I think good, I think it's going to open up the midfield with Renfro and Edwards. And uh, um, he's a, he's he's got to do it more right. more more be more aggressive screens in the flat open up the offense.
2: All right, good stuff, good stuff. Thank you, Shields, up in Connecticut for the call. Appreciate you. Hopefully the family was doing well over the Thanksgiving holiday and uh, continue to do well each and every day. And, uh, yeah, there was a lot that I was impressed by, you know, offensively from the Raiders, and uh, especially Deshaun Jackson, you know, being able to open things up. And like you said, he's been in the league for a long time, 14 years, really good route runner, but he also sells – The pass interference really well as well. You saw him make sure that he let it be known, "Hey, I'm being interfered with. I'm being interfered with." That comes from a veteran that knows what he's doing. Whether it was a good call or not, he was going to sell it, and I could appreciate that. And I I do believe they were all good calls on the pass interferences because, well, Anthony Brown just had an awful day, but Deshaun made it made it be known that, "Hey, I'm being interfered with," which is very important. Uh, Real quick, we'll hustle out to the 209, Stockton, California. How about Jesse? You're going to close things out with us. How are you doing today?
5: Hey, what's up, Q, man? I appreciate you fitting me in, man. I'll holler at you a little longer next time. I'm, I'm going to make this real quick, though. I appreciate you shouting me out in the building. Um, man, it took me three times watching the Raiders on Thanksgiving. Man, that 9 game where Kowski was painful. Uh, the 13 game with Matt McGloin, was uh, you know we had a little lead there at halftime 21 to seven but I knew that wasn't going to hold out so it was uh, it was really good to finally get a Thanksgiving victory. Uh, one thing on the long snapper you uh, you did touch on you remember last time when John Condo got injured man it was horrible yep. the guy was he was missnapping snapping stuff it was fumble man we, I think we even had a, a guy run back a kick or a, a punt fumble so yep. I'm hoping that doesn't, that doesn't kill us this week and uh, one more last thing man people talk about. You know, you were, you were listening on, on the radio show out in Dallas, and they're killing Dak over here, like the way they killed Derek Carr. I'm going to ask fans this one time. The man throws for 373 yards, 207 yards in the fourth quarter. He makes one bad throw, and you're going to kill the guy. It's like Derek Carr. Who are you going to put in there if you don't have Derek? right Not everybody. You can't make the throws every single time, man. I'm going to ride and die with D.C. He's my guy. Sometimes he's down and out. Sometimes he's pouts on the sidelines. But he's learning, man, and he's our QB, man. I'm going I'm to let you go Q. I'm going to holler at you next time. One love, baby.
1: There he goes,
2: Jesse in the 209 Stockton. Great way to drop the mic, close things out from us for the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Vinny Bonsignor, he's coming up next. He's on the sticks, 4 to 6 p.m. He'll be in the huddle, and he'll give you everything that he saw as he was in Dallas, his observations, what he heard today from head coach Rich Basaccia, what he thinks about the team. Moving forward, we'll get more of that. Plus, I'll be checking in from the Underground Lounge to let you know how it's going down. The Modelo's are cold. Come have one. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Radio Nation Radio, 920.